Hi, welcome to the Happiness Hive podcast. I'm Catherine Bowyer and I am completely fascinated by people and what motivates them. I've spent the past three and a half decades specialising in mindset and human behaviour and I've helped thousands of people to create happy and amazing lives. And now I am super excited to be chatting with women from around the world who I have secret and to be honest, not so secret crushes on. They're women who inspire me. I'm intrigued as to how they do life and what makes them tick. I want to find out their magic formula that makes them who they are. And at the end of the episode, I'd love for you to say, I'd like a little bit of what she's having. The conversations are real and raw. They're full of passion, inspiration and lots of fun. And nothing is off limits. So grab yourself a cuppa or pop on your trackie and go for a walk and join us for today's chat. There may just be that pearl of wisdom you need to hear. So let's shimmy on over and get started. Today's chat is great timing given the new financial year is almost upon us. I'm chatting with Sarah Hardy, who is all about helping women to be empowered with their finances and not just women, the blokes too. Sarah knows what it's like to start from scratch and rebuild both her finances and her life. Her journey fueled her passion to really make a difference in the world. She's a finance broker dedicated to helping others take control of their financial situations and ensure especially women that they don't go through what Sarah's experienced. And we're going to chat about that and a whole range of other things. So, Sarah, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good, Catherine. I've got some kids who are sick and I'm going through that kind of stuff like we often do. But other than that, I'm fantastic. (laughs) And it is often the way, like my kids are grown up and kind of can look after themselves, but life is busy. And sometimes we need to split our focus in many different directions. So thank you so much, so much for being with us today. I'm really excited. Like we dived in, we dipped into your story and I'm really excited to dive into that in a bit more detail today. But without giving away the whole story up front, (laughs) can you give us a snapshot as to what stage of life you're currently at? So you've got kids obviously yeah yeah so I'm at the the kids stage so I've got one teenager and I've got one 10 year old so Isla's 14 and Grayson's 10 and so I think also because my eldest is a girl they're very different in their life stages so he still really needs me he's very affectionate he's beautiful she is also beautiful but not affectionate doesn't think she needs me but does need me so very different they're very different life stages. I'm married and my husband and I both run our own businesses. So that's, I try, I'm trying not to use the word busy. Um, I'm trying to use the word, I'm choosing, I'm choosing at this point in time to be fairly full, but I'm doing that intentionally. Oh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> love it. So choosing not to be busy, but choosing to be full, intentionally full. Tell me more. Well, I just feel like I've caught myself in this phase of just going, oh, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. And it kind of is this word we all throw around and it doesn't really mean, yeah, what does it mean? Because, yes, we can be busy, but if it's by choice, and busy is a sort of like seems like a bat for me, it just, I don't know, it doesn't fill me up. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to be conscious about my choices that I'm making. So my life is really full because I've got two children I have a husband who's running his own business. You know, he's doing a fabulous job. So we could sit there and go, oh, well, our life would be much easier if I also didn't choose to run a business. But that for me is important. So we have had a period of time where I wasn't working a lot and I definitely wasn't fulfilled with what I was doing. And even though it helped the family, it didn't help me. So I just need to make conscious choices and and do things like I want to be here, so I'm here. I, I make conscious choices about where I want to be. So my life is full, but it's also wonderful. Oh, my gosh, I love that so much. I didn't much. even mean that. Like I said, full and wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. It's full of wonder. That is, oh, my gosh, let's just finish the podcast there. Everybody's heard what they need to hear today. I love that for so many different Reasons, And I think the thing that stands out for me the most is about conscious 
decisions that you want to be here today so you've made that happen and I know that you have a lot on your plate as well but it's about wanting to be here and Mm. having an opportunity to share your story so you've made that happen so I'm really really grateful and I'm hoping our listeners will be very grateful for that too (laughs) and it's also about having a full life and what does that mean and you're choosing that work is part of that and family is part of that and relationships are part of that and how that all fits together. It doesn't mean that if we have a lot going on that that's a bad thing. Do you hear that a lot? I hear that a lot that people say, you know, stop the busyness as though if you're doing a lot that it's a bad thing. Well, I think it's when you're doing a lot of things that you don't really want to be doing. So I I used to be a real people pleaser and I struggle because I do like people to like me. I I admit that, like that I'm not someone who doesn't care about other people. I try and be, you know, compassionate and, and, you know, be treat people the way I want to be treated. But I've just started making conscious choices I guess and not saying yes to everything even though I want to do everything yes going okay well if I do all of the things or if I work in a job that I hate even though it's making me lots of money you know those kinds of things so like starting a business was a choice like I was in a successful consulting role which I did make really good money and I will make that money in this business but I've you start again yeah. And that, so that was a conscious choice. And you know what? I wake up every day and I'm so happy. So that's to me, it's worth a lot and you don't feel that stress and burden. So that's what I think. The busyness and the fullness and not being full is because we're doing things that we don't really want to be doing. And so then it feels like a drag and a chore. And, and then also the stress for me. I've got some health issues and so stress is just terrible. Mm-hmm. Like it's so terrible for it. So I'm trying to eliminate stress by doing things that I consciously want to do. <laughs> oh, I love it. I really love that. And I think it's the reason, like what's our why for doing things? And sometimes we do things because it's to make it easier for others to not rock the boat because we love doing lots of things and Mm. keeping active, but it's about how's that working for us and is it causing stress or is it draining us or is it lighting us up? And I think sometimes people, when they say, and I know that they're well-intentioned, stop being busy, I would like to hear maybe stop doing the things, if you can, that are draining energy and do more of what lights you up because I'm one of the people that if you say to me stop doing lots of stuff that causes me more stress than it does by doing a lot of things or just don't stress yeah yeah yeah. just don't stress just let it go and just you'll be fine yes they're very easy to say and often hard to do yeah have you always been like that sort of or is this a new concept for you about the conscious choices no, it's definitely a new thing or newish thing. Newish, so yeah. It's something that I've learned through experiences, needing to be more conscious. And I think it, I feel like as, you know, like I'm turning actually in two days, I'll be 44. <gasps> 44 is my favourite number. Oh, my is gosh, it? that's a power. Yeah, four is oh, my favourite. Okay. When you put four and four together, that's like superpower number. Oh, my oh, God. Love I love it. that. But so, you know, your life is a journey. And so, you know, they've had lots of little experiences and big experiences along the way. And so that's what teaches you. So, you know, you are brought up to be nice and say yes and not rock the boat. And I think I still, to a degree, like I don't rock boats intentionally. I'm not one of those people who enjoys controversy for the sake of it. Some people love a bit of drama, not so much, but I'm also about, I do take risks as well because I feel like I want my life to be fully lived and I don't want to regret things. So I do do things that other people might think, you know, like, like you've already got some, a self-employed person in the family. Why would you give up a really good income? 
and both be self-employed? Well, because we're both fulfilled by that. We both love it. And we actually get more quality time together now because we choose our own schedules. It's, yeah, for us, it's great. Yes, okay, there, there is a risk there, but we're young enough that if it all blows up, he's a financial advisor, so he did the plan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you've so, kind of got a pretty good um, risk plan. Yes, well, place, he's, don't he's you? more risk adverse than I am, so that's kind of good, I think, because um, it balances. Yeah, it sounds like a good balance. That yeah, sounds like a good yeah. balance that you've yeah. got that fulfilment. You're pursuing your wonder and filling your days with wonder, but it also sounds very sensible and practical that you're able to do your risk assessment around that as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that that was important, very much so. Do you know, it's interesting, I reflect on this, and, and when I'm coaching people, for me it is about having the balance of absolutely what lights you up and what are your dreams, but then having a strategy in place to help make them happen, and that's about bringing, you know, what is your risk kind of assessment around it, and I don't want that to sound like a downer, but it's about how can you how can you bring your dreams alive, given what you've got in front of you, and being a bit of a realist around it. Some people I know have a very different view of the world where they just jump in and they'll make it work regardless, and and that works for them, I guess. Well, I think I would be that person if I wasn't married to Will. Ah. Yeah, because I do kind of, like, I'm like, oh, okay, like, that sounds great. Let's do that. Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. Mm. But, of course, like, becoming a finance broker, I knew I wanted to do my own thing. You can't just do that overnight. So, obviously, there's there's training and um, qualifications that you need to get. (laughs) But I guess, like, my personal journey with the finances led me to that because as I got an interest in in finances, like my own finances, that led to then discovering, because I've always wanted to work for myself as a kid. Like, I, <laughs> Interesting. Really? Yeah, yeah. Well, I used to run as a child, like, so sub 12, I created this club and so all the neighbourhood kids were members. And so as part of the club, we put on, like, fates in the neighbourhood and, um, <laughs> and then... I'd use the proceeds from the fate to then I did a Clean Up Australia Day where all the kids, if they collected rubbish, I'd use the money we earned from the fate to buy, like, lolly bags and things so they'd get, like, certain lollies for, oh like, collecting like, rubbish. Yeah, so I've always had this. And then I had a car washing club as well and, like, just so. Oh, that sounds so entrepreneurial. Uh, so me. I think yeah. I have been an entrepreneur, like, in here always, but, you know, went to uni because that's what you had to do. It was and expected, yeah. It was expected, yes. Yeah. And then, um, you know, got a grad job and, and all the rest of it. And and so I think then, but every time Will and I would go on holidays, I'd be like, oh, I just want to work for myself. And But never quite have worked out what it was that I wanted to do. And, yeah, but and then so when I worked out what it was that I wanted to do, there was basically no stopping me. And... <laughs> he has to slow me down a little bit, but he knows that it's like, I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's it. And, and it sounds to me as though that was in your kind of DNA to be able to, you know, have that autonomy to run your own business. I'm going to unpack it. what you reminded me of then when you were saying your entrepreneurial efforts when I was growing up, and this was probably a little bit older, my girlfriend and I, we ran the Melbourne Cup sweepstakes. Oh. Yeah, but we kept a profit. Like, we kept money for ourselves. We didn't <laughs> give out all the winnings. <laughs> and I'm not sure that's what you're supposed to do. But we were just like, we, we took a cut off the top of that. So, so you basically weren't running a sweepstakes. You were being bookies. Yes. <laughs> I think we were being bookies. <laughs> so it's interesting how that pans out. So, it's, what was growing up like? Where did you grow up? So Sarah lives in Canberra here at the moment. Where did you grow up, Sarah? I grew up outside of Bullock. So I was born in Wollongong Hospital, but uh, so, you know, south coast. But I was born in Dapto. So Dapto's known Dapto for the dogs. Dapto dogs. Dapto dogs, yeah. 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 Uh, maybe so, I was a bookie in a previous life. So yeah, maybe. the Dapto dogs, yeah. 
Yeah, so I grew up in a household. My mum didn't work until we went to school. And so dad was the, well, when I say she didn't work, she didn't work a daytime full-time job. So dad worked the, dad was the main income earner. And mum would do shifts at the Chinese restaurant at nights. And then dad would look after us at night. So I grew up not knowing that we didn't have a lot of money because everything I needed, I had. So yeah, so I had a really beautiful childhood and I just remember it really fondly. I was, you know, had best friends since like we moved into the first house mum and dad bought, I was four or five. And so I became, my sister and I became best friends with the two little girls next door. And, you know, there was just this beautiful group of yeah. kids. Uh, so that was lovely. And when I moved to Canberra, that's when I kind of noticed, that's when sort of possessions like, became more important. So I don't know if that was a Canberra thing because it's a higher, higher socioeconomic mm. area or if it was just the age. I was How old in, was that university? In year six. No, oh, no, no. Year six. Yeah, yeah, year six. So mm. going into high school. And so all of a sudden those possessions became more important. But that was at the same time that, like, my mum was already working, um, but that's when she went into the public service and she sort of started. Then now I guess our economic situation changed as a family because all of a sudden we had two full-time working adults and and obviously mum was earning a lot more money as she progressed up the, the ladder. Yeah. And so then, you know, so then I guess we became like a middle-class yeah. family. But again, I don't know, like money wasn't the focus. Like we never went without anything, so it wasn't. But I just know like that's when like mum, you know, mum went to visit her sister in New York and bought me back dance Reeboks. So like, that was like very exciting. That's very exciting. And, yeah. And then as soon as I could get a job, I did. Like that was really important yeah. to me and I was a good little saver because I had my first taste of going overseas. So we'd never been overseas yeah. as a family, but my friend's parents were taking her who she had older brothers that were growing up. And so they said, look, Sarah can come, but she has to obviously pay her own way. And so I was saving, you know, I wasn't earning a lot of money. I feel like I was getting like $30 paychecks, but I don't know if I'm exaggerating that, but that's how Wow. That's mine. Mine were 30. I think mine was like a $25 paycheck when I was working at Woolies. Yeah, this was working yeah. at Fossies. So yeah, Fossies, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And so anyway, I went on that holiday and mum and dad had to lend me money because I didn't have enough. And they've said to me since, oh, we were like, okay, like that money's gone kind of thing. And I came back and I paid it all back because, back. Yeah. yeah, that was important. And so then I had the travel bug. So from that point you know, when like next trip wasn't until I was 19, but I was very focused on saving to travel because I loved it. So I think I've had a good concept of money from an early age, even, you know, when I was doing those clubs, like it's like, okay, well, this is how much money we need to make. <laughs> but, but I didn't keep any of the money for myself. I just like divided it to the community. <laughs> no, I that's... have my issue. You know, that sounds very sensible of you and very honest. And it, so it sounds like it's been in your awareness when I was growing up, very similar. We were sort of middle class. For me, it didn't, we didn't have the best of everything, but we certainly, it, everything was there that we needed yeah, to have. Yeah. And, I, and I was not fantastic with money. I liked nice things and I, if I needed to save for something, I would, but I spent a lot of money. So it sounds interesting, that concept for you. What happened when, cause you were traveling overseas. So you met your, was it, you had a boyfriend that you traveled oh, with or a partner? No, so my fiance? first, yeah. yes. So like I have been engaged before Will. Yeah. So that, yeah, so we got together very young. So I was at uni, so I met him in my What were you studying at uni? Oh, I I started doing tourism and then I was like, "Mm," because I wanted to be a hotel manager. Yes. But then I was like, it's going to take way too long to get to that hotel manager job and I'm probably going to be a receptionist. Why am I doing a degree to do that? And I loved my marketing unit. So I actually changed my degree. So I did a marketing 
what was it? I've got a BA in management and then I did my three majors. You only do two, but yeah. I didn't want to lose the work that I'd done in the first year. So yeah. instead of like somebody saying to me, you know, that's going to cost you a lot more money and you have to do extra units like to yeah. like, so I did a higher workload so I could not waste. Not use, yes. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Which is now I would have done it very differently yeah. but anyway so I majored in marketing management and tourism yeah wow. cool yeah yeah cool. so then you were engaged yeah young? so then engaged, um, yeah so I got in so I bought a house uh with my at the time boyfriend at 21 wow and yeah and and we were engaged and then he said so my company's moving. So speaking of bookies, he worked, he was a sports bookmaker. <laughs> so they were moving from Canberra to Ferrum, which is just outside uh, Portsmouth in England. In England. And yeah. he's like, and we're going. So we had just recently got engaged. We'd gone to India and got engaged at the Taj Mahal. Ooh. And yeah, sounds more romantic than it is. <laughs> Let's <laughs> just leave it romantic. Let's just leave yes. it romantic. <laughs> um, well, my second engagement was at the Empire State Building to my current husband, my husband, my only husband, because I didn't marry the other guy, and that was much more romantic. I'll just say uh, that. Mine was walking around um, Lake Ginandera. Oh. And it was John just said, oh, I suppose I better ask you. <laughs> no, I won't go into that. I don't <laughs> anyway. Let's go with yeah. the romantic. Let's go. So, yeah. Yeah. Taj so, yeah. So, yeah. So, we've, we're engaged. He's like, we're going. And I was like, okay. But, you know, I was also like, so I, I was doing a, a grad job working for Diageo. So, it was really competitive. There was only one job in Canberra and five in New South Wales. And so, anyway, so I was doing a job I loved. It was really hard to get. But at the same time, I was young. So, yeah. I was, I was 22. So, I was like, Okay, <laughs> well, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Um, and so we went over and then at the time you could only work 12 months of your two-year working holiday visa. Um, so he was on a company-sponsored visa, but I was on a working holiday visa because we weren't married. And so he was like, look, you know, we're getting married this year. Your sister's getting married this year. It doesn't make sense for you to work this year why don't you not work this year and work the following year? And, again, I was like, sure. great. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. But actually what ended up happening was then when we went to apply for it, well, we had to get a bank account. Um, His work helped him get his bank account. Uh, so that was all set up. And he's like, well, it wasn't that easy getting a bank account. You just needed lots of bits and pieces. I can't even remember the process now. He's like, look, you're going to change your name. There's no point in getting a bank account. And I was like, I guess that one I wasn't as, like, sold on. But I was like, yeah, I guess. So, you know, getting married in six months' time, I think, no, less, because we were there for a year, whatever, more, sorry. But anyway, it doesn't matter. So I was like, okay. So he would literally, like, hand me money like mm-hmm. paper money or whatever their money's made out of each week so I had an allowance an allowance and then um I did have a credit card that I used for groceries but I wasn't using the credit the credit card for anything else so I don't know why now it's a long time ago long time ago yeah and yeah so I found myself in this situation where I was really it was emotionally controlling, so a controlling relationship. So he controlled everything that I did, everything that I spent. He worked nights, so he worked 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. So all of a sudden I was living on this schedule of a night shift person when I wasn't a night shift person. So, you know, sleeping during the day, so you've got less – I'm not saying I didn't see anybody else because I did, but less time, you know – Less of that social, people. that social, yeah. And, and none of my girlfriends were there because the company were all male bar one female and, um, and that was really sad. She ended up committing suicide. So, oh, God. yeah, so I was dealing with that as well, yeah. um, without like support, really. Yeah. Um, I mean, the guys were amazing. Like the, I was friends with all of them, but it's not the same. It's no, not having your girlfriends. No. Having your girlfriends there. Yeah. Um, so it just became a really, um, 
I don't know, like just a different life. They, it sounds very isolating and lonely and you sounded like, and I've met you since, but that there's a vibrancy about you. It sounds as though that you weren't living a full life. No, I think that, yeah, because we were, like if he, because, you know, when he wasn't at work, we were we were going out, we were socialising, we were doing things, but it was very much on his terms and he was very jealous, so he was always accusing me of Mm. having, you know, Mm. intentions for people who wasn't and, um, and it was just like, anyway, so it's just quite intense. And it was actually, funnily enough, my husband, because he was friends with everyone as well. He was part of the group. He was part of the group, was he? He was part of the group, yeah. Oh, this is yeah. juicy. I didn't know that. No, no. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, it was he, him and another guy, Ben, who they pulled me aside one night and they said, are you sure you want to do this? And I was like, what do you mean? They're like, do you want to marry him? And I was like... And hadn't really crossed my mind that I shouldn't or mm. but then I just sort of started and they were like, we just don't think he treats you very well and, you know, you deserve to be treated better than that. And I was like, that's so interesting because I thought to the outside world he was perfect yeah. and I think to most people he was. Mm. They just saw us as a perfect couple. Yeah, it was strange. But they saw, so Will and Ben saw. Will and Ben saw what it was really like. Wow. Because Will worked the same shifts as Daruk. So we spent lots of time together and we became good friends, but not ever without him because they worked the same shifts. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so that made me start thinking. And then I sort of said to him, look, I think we need to sit down and let's write down everything that was really positive in our relationship and everything we think that could be better in our relationship. And, of course, I had pros and cons. (laughs) (laughs) And he just said no. He said, no, our relationship's perfect. I don't need to do that. We don't need to do that. And so then I was like, what do I do? And so then I, you know, rang up and I talked to my mum and I said, look, I'm just not sure I want to walk down the aisle like this. I think I need to come home. I think I'm going to come home for like, because I was always going to go home four weeks before the wedding. I said to her, I think I need to come home early, like maybe 10 weeks, eight weeks before and just get my head straight. Because at this point I had actually started having feelings for Will Oh, and it was very, and I just wanted to not be, and he ended up moving to London. So he wasn't in my like world every day anymore, but there was something, you know, something in my mind there. Yeah. And so mum's like, look, that sounds like a good idea. And so I talked to Daruk about it and he said, no. And so I was like, well, I can't marry you like this. Like you don't want to talk about the things that, are making me unhappy and you don't, <laughs> I don't know. Like you just, you just want me to go along and do like, he just wanted. Sounds me. very emotionally controlling. Very emotionally controlling. Very emotionally like, controlling. Yeah. Like just, yeah. I wasn't able to have my own ideas, yeah. I guess. And that yeah. I think he liked it that I wasn't working because at this stage I'm so bored yeah, as well. I can imagine. I can so I was, imagine. So I was like, I'm just going to apply, if you don't want me to have some serious job, I'm, I just, I applied at the movies, I applied at the video shop without him knowing. Yeah. But I was so silly. I would even, that I hadn't. What did you do? <laughs> so, like, not saying that they're not important jobs, but I didn't adjust my resume accordingly. So oh. I think it kind of makes sense I wasn't getting the jobs because yeah. they're probably thinking, what what's she doing? Like, yeah. and, you know, and because I didn't talk to them, obviously you just handed in. I didn't yeah. have a chance to explain why. Yeah, why you were doing I was it. applying for jobs yeah. that maybe would be more suitable to, you know, a younger yeah. person who hadn't gone to uni and worked in a graduate yeah. position. So anyway, so that is probably meant to be, obviously. Yeah. So what ended up happening, this is such a long story, sorry, um, <laughs> but we ended up, I, I ended up saying I have to go and he had been drinking because he, I think there was a bit of a substance okay. issue. Yeah. 
And he basically just picked up the phone and called everybody in Australia one after the other and told them the wedding was off. Oh, and, okay. Yeah. yeah, and then he said to me, like, we went to bed and then he's like, when I get home from work tomorrow, I want you to be gone. Oh, gosh. So you were still in England. You I was were, still in England. So you were planning on just coming back to Australia early, yep. but he kind of kicked you out. Yeah, and I had a flight in three weeks' time because you know how, like, flights operate on yeah. whatever level or whatever. So that was the first flight I could get on. So what did you do for three weeks when you so, were not in your home? I was very lucky that I had friends in London and so I called my friend Danielle and I explained to her what had happened. Fortunately, one of the guys that lived in their house was a banker and he spent some time in Switzerland and some time in London, but because he was earning banker dollars, he just rented the room permanently. Even though he wasn't there all the time. Yeah, so Ooh, she called, nice. she called yeah. him and said, can Sarah stay in your room for three weeks? He said yes. Oh, that's I ended up negotiating with Daruk that he would give me half a week's pay and that would be enough money for me to contribute to groceries and, yeah. and you know, like not just go there. Because you had no money, did you? You didn't have nothing. access to anything because of all this trust in – it was it was almost like he – just because of circumstances that it's easier for him to look after the money, but really that's a very yeah. – controlling but you don't realize it do you no. at the and he time. The, I've heard that from a lot of yeah, women he took yeah. my credit card so I didn't so he had nothing no well I did have a little bit because it was stashing stuff away I was putting money away for the wedding yeah, good girl so oh yeah I I don't know why but I was just so he'd give me I can't remember how much money he gave me a week but he'd give me the money and each week I put money aside I don't know why I did that. I reckon, I reckon you know why. <laughs> yeah, something in the back of my mind. So yeah. I did, I had a little bit of money that I'd squirreled away and then I, and so I left with that money and then I negotiated with him for him to give me some more money because what I had wasn't enough yes. to get me through three yeah. weeks because London's not cheap. No, goodness. Yeah, so that's how I, that's how I survived. And then Will was living in London. And the only person in the world that he had told that he had feel because he didn't tell me he had feelings for me. Oh, yeah. Only person he told was my friend Danielle's partner who I was living with. Yeah. So oh. we ended up like, you know, like spending a bit of time together in yeah. those weeks. And then I moved, well, I went home and I was like, I'm moving home, but I'll come back if we still feel a connection. Yeah. And 11 weeks later, he's like, come back. So he was Australian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So working he in Canberra. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, yeah. my God. So, Isn't that a serendipity? Yeah, it it was like because we thought it was just an infatuation, yeah. you know, because we weren't meant to like each other. So, yeah, so that's what got me into the space of, really like that female empowerment thing because yeah. I was totally disempowered and yeah I, and I'm not so I know what it's like to have nothing so I had to yeah. borrow some money from my parents to start again how um, old I, were you at this stage were you was this 22 I was 23 23 so that's young and it sounds like you know that you were a young ambitious woman who you know went to university you got a graduate job, that you had the ambition there, but life kind of took a little bit of a detour in the relationship. And it's not like it was, it didn't, doesn't sound, Sarah, as though it's this obvious emotional abuse, but it was kind of like this whittling away at your confidence and, you know, you were just trusting in, you know, it sounded like that sounded sensible not to, have your own bank account kind of yeah everything could be explained away yeah and I think it's just if he wasn't such a jealous person I think that's why he needed to have the control yeah because he's constantly worried yeah and then in the end that's what drove me away which is about his insecurities yeah and then so fast forward you and Will you went back yeah so we up with Will. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we're back and my best friend came over and she lived with us and we had a fabulous time. So 
So we lived there for four years and then we moved to Melbourne. Then he got a job on the Gold Coast. We moved to the Gold Coast. Lots of, you know, different things happened, had two children. But then I found myself in another position where I, because he's a financial advisor, I was like, it makes total sense for you to look after the money. I had my own bank account. Yeah, 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 good. <laughs> good. <laughs> I had access to money at all times. I had all, so we have our, our banking set up where we have discretionary and non-discretionary yeah. money. So I always had, he has his money he can spend however yeah. he wants. I've got yeah. my money I can spend however Same. I want. Always had freedom. But when COVID was happening, our son, started having suicidal ideations and he was only seven. Oh gosh. And that really rocked our marriage because I was sleeping with our son for at least six months and we just really just sort of through the stress of it, it really fell apart and my health was really bad as well. Uh, So I've got Hashimoto's hemochromatosis and diabetes now. Oh God. Which was caused by the high iron. So uh, hemochromatosis is high iron. Hashimoto's is when your thyroid doesn't work. Yeah. And so my body was just really struggling. Struggling. Very stressful. So before when I said about stress, so I ended up quitting my job and I was doing like a Saturday jewelry business because I can't do nothing. Yeah. But with that business, kind of like with the the kids with like giving all the profits away, (laughs) I get, I basically looked after, there were five families in Indonesia who helped in the production of the jewelry. Mm. And I basically didn't, like, I made sure they all got paid because they didn't have any money. And so there really wasn't any money left for you. No more money left for me. I got a couple of trips to Bali <laughs> once the <laughs> pandemic finished. But yes, yeah, so that business, my husband calls it my charity because you were do, you were working to support the other family. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. he thinks is, you know, like he thinks I'm a bit crazy. But, but yeah, so like our marriage actually fell apart yeah. and I found myself again not employed. I had no idea of the status of our finances yeah. at all. Very different situation though because yeah. Will was like, he was like, oh, you know, he gave me money until I got a job, which didn't take long. He, you know, said, you can have 60% of everything. Like there was just no arguing, no, because yeah. he still loved me and I still loved him. And and it took us three months to find out, you know, through counselling and, yeah. and the rest of it. And then a lot of work continually. Like yeah. it's been two and a half years now and we're in the best place we've ever been, I think, because we went through that. Yeah. As awful How's as your son? How's your son? Oh, he's so good now. So we changed schools. We got him a psychologist, but that stuff we just didn't happen straight away because we're yeah. on a waiting list for yeah. a psychologist. So yeah. that's why it was just such an intense time. But again, I'd given control of my finances to somebody else. And even though it turned out really well, I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, and it's a good faith giving control it's not like they were really forcing you it just seemed like no, it was a sensible no, thing to do no. but, well it was yeah. totally opposite totally yeah. different it was just it just he you know he loves spreadsheets and numbers <laughs> and you know that's what he does so it kind of made sense yeah so through that I did I just started doing courses so I did um like a course called the spending plan and it's basically teaches you how to manage your money. And I guess I knew how to manage my money because I'd done it well from an early age, but it just reconnected me with that. And then, you know, just started reading books, mostly written by women, you know, different either sometimes financial brokers, sometimes planners, sometimes no qualification at all, just different thoughts about it. And then books written by men as well. But I just liked that female perspective because there's not many of them. And that's what led me to go, oh, there's my aha moment. That's why I want to be a broker. And I get to do things that sort of are geared towards women as well. Yeah. 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 And it is, isn't it, that even though it was probably something that was in your DNA when you were growing up, you know, the financial side of things and also that 
wanting to help others. Like that's very much a thread that runs through your life that you've got that desire to help others. Yeah. But the finance has been that thread as well. And it's led you where you are now is being able to help women, but men as well to be empowered with their finances. Yeah. What are some tips for like particularly for for women either going through similar or different situations about being in control of their finances? Yeah. Well, look, I'm not here saying that everyone's marriages are going to break up or anything like that, but I think having your own bank account is really important. Yeah. So work out how some people have totally separate finances. We Mm. have shared finances. I think when you have kids, it's a bit harder to have separate, but you can. Mm. But at least have an account where you are the person who decides what happens with that money. Yeah. So you have complete control of that. And then my second thing is, and I talk, I do this female financial empowerment and I talk about actually understanding where your money goes. Yes. So Will and I have a finance date night, which he loves. That sounds sexy. That it, sounds so sexy. sexy. It would be very easy. It's all play for Will. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so with, with that, we sit down and we talk about, like, we look at, I mean, because we have businesses, it's a little yes. bit different. So for us, we look at, like, our cash flow overall and then we make decisions, you know, if there's things that we want to do with our money like so we we're taking the kids on a cruise so you know we made that decision looking at our cash flow so you can do that in your own personal it's a lot simpler you know you can do that on your own too like that I'm just thinking some of the listeners might not be in relationships and with partners so even just not in a a relationship (laughs) you're in the best spot you have a financial date night with yourself yes you have a beautiful glass of wine or non-alcoholic beverage that you love and like something yummy that you like to eat. And then, yeah, there's lots of programs that you can get or if you're good with Excel, you can do it yourself. And just understand where your money's going because so my biggest tip is allocate every dollar. Yeah. So if you've got $200 left over, you don't just say that $200 left over, you choose where that's going. So you might say $100 of that goes in an emergency fund and $100 of that goes in my handbag fund, but it's allocated somewhere because otherwise that $200 is just spent on coffees or it just goes and you You don't know what you're doing. You don't even know where it is, yeah. Yeah, so that's my – they're they're the tips I'm going to give you. Do you know what I had, Sarah? Like I do that. John and I have our own discretionary money that we can access, but we also have joint um, finances as well. And when we went through some – financial shitty time and it was really shitty shitty time that I would draw physically draw the cash out and I would put it in envelopes because we was just so skint with money quite often we would take from one account to pay another account to you know what is it borrow from Peter to pay Paul and it was just a shitty shitty time so for me it was probably a couple of years I needed to have the physical cash in the envelopes that said this was for, you know, kids sport. This was for, I think I allocated once a month for them to have a McDonald's something. You know, I just had to have it where I could see the money. And if it wasn't there, it's like, we don't have that money. It was stressful. It was fucking like, it was shit, shit, shit time. Yeah. When the world operated mm. in cash, I think mm. that's the best way to do yeah. it. But now that the world yeah. is not so Doesn't, cash, yes. mm. but you can get really great bank accounts where you can actually have up to 10. Yeah, I do that now. We do that now yeah, that we exactly. actually have it. And so when I get, because I get, I'm self-employed, so my money is very sporadic. Yeah. And so when I get paid, I actually go through and a percentage of each pay that I get goes into the different, you know, because I've got to do my superannuation, I've got to do my GST, got to have money aside for tax. And so I make sure every dollar is allocated somewhere. And it's cool, you know, for us now, things have, they were shitty for a couple of years, but they're actually lovely now. Yeah, yeah. Um, And that's the, I think that's the thing 
I hope that what makes me good at my job is I've been in all circumstances. Yeah. So I also got fired when I was pregnant. Like, so, you <laughs> know, that was stressful, like, you know, because we went to one income. Will got made redundant when we had our second child. So then we went to one, like, I was meant to have a year off, but all of a sudden at five, yeah. five months old, old child, I was back at work full time. Like, I think because I've had those life experiences, yeah. I understand what other yeah. people are going through and I can, I don't judge anything because I'm like, God, I've probably done it myself. You know, we racked up debt when we were in the yeah. UK. Like we made yeah. bad financial decisions when we were young and dispersed yeah. together and now we're sensible, but we still, sometimes I'll still you know, do something wacky and we'll, we'll be like, yeah, I, do you know what? I go through, through, I think I've learned to be better with money. We certainly didn't, our family, we didn't talk about money. It was kind of like once I moved out of home and got my own job, it was just like, holy shit, what do I even do? Like that was, I spent so much because I'd never had that money before. Yeah. And then it took me a while to kind of go, oh, actually, I do need to be a little bit sensible with this. Yeah. So, so I know I was talking with some girlfriends the other day. They were similar. They was just like, well, we never talked about money, so I just haven't really known how to look after it. I have talked to my children about money since they were really little. So mm. I did it in ways like we'd go to Big W and I'd go, okay, you've got $10 that you can spend because, you know, the kids are always yeah. for toys. I'm like, okay, yeah. $10. And like from before they really knew the numbers. Yeah. And, and so, you know, Grayson would have to work it out and I would have to work it out and they'd go, okay, well, can I have this? And I'd be like, okay, well, what does that say? And they'd be like, four, five, you know, and explain yeah. to them. Yeah. And really so, cool. you know, things like Grayson will ask for, like, if we get, like, the kids will have Domino's pizza and then we'll get something decent. you know they'd say he'd be like I want a meat lovers pizza and I'd say well that's $16 or you could have a pepperoni pizza which is $5 I don't know how much they are now but and so I'd say but if we can find a voucher we can get it for $8 and then that's two pizzas so that get means you can have pizza this week and next week for the same price and he gets it he gets that. That's good. Yeah, yeah, he's he's really good. He's going to work for me. We've already decided. Have you? Yeah. I reckon he'll be out doing fake money with the kids in the – so I think he'll have that all sorted. Yeah, yeah. With the kids he, in the neighbourhood. Yeah, whereas Isla less – did exactly the same lessons, yeah. but she's yeah. just less – she likes Focused. Things. Yeah. Yeah, and that's okay. And she's got her own job now, so – when um, I helped to open the bank account, I opened up a savings one and a spending one. Yeah. And, you know, but that's her money and she'll make her own decisions and we'll do something where we'll match what she saves to try and encourage her that yeah. way. But at the end of the day, they're their own people. I th- Yeah, I think so too that there's, there's a lot of work around that financial blueprint that people have and that how they're wired financially. I think it is something that you can learn. Some people are very naturally focused and driven by mm. the the saving. Others not so much. And it's about for me, there's a lot of women that I work with that circumstances in life have changed and they don't have the finances to support them. And for me, finances are really about choice. Yeah. And freedom. And when you have money, that you have choices in life that you can, can do things. So it's about saving for a certain goal. Absolutely. Saving for a rainy day, but also about having money to provide choice in life. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's also about the more money I have, the more I can do with that to help other people in their lives. So it's not just about you know, earning money. And I know some people struggle with that about it's greedy to have, to be earning lots of money or to have lots of money. But I think about certainly the money for myself and my family, but what can I do with that to yeah. be able to provide opportunities for other people? Yeah. So oh, I, that's, yes, yes, yeah. yes. And it is part of that, you know, I run the happiness hangouts and there are expenses that I need to incur for other, you know, venue and, and catering and things, but I really try and keep that at a low 
like I cover a lot of those costs myself, so I'm not passing on a huge expense to other people because I want it to be accessible. And if I didn't have that financial situation that I'm in, it wouldn't afford me that opportunity to be able to keep it at a low, you know, a low end price. Yeah, I love we, that. Yeah. I think we share that. Yes. Yeah. Because I feel the same way. I'm yeah. like, I like to give, yeah. I'm, I'm very community minded yes. and that's important to me and it's, yes. it's part of my soul and my makeup. Yes. And so that's how I see, you know, the better my financial situation is, the more of that that I can do. Yes. And rather than feeling guilty for, you know, having things, it's like, no, like I work, I work hard for what yeah. I have. Yeah. So I don't need to feel guilty for having it as long as I'm teaching my children the value of yeah. what we have yeah. and, you know, discussing the fact that, you know, we may have, you know, he may feel like there's, you know, people that he knows that has more than what we have, and that's yeah. true. But there are much more people in the world that have less than have what we have. Less. And yes. we need to be, practice gratitude. Like you said earlier, yeah. if I had any anything that I do, yeah. My thing that I love is I listen to sleep hypnosis. Oh. I love it, and I choose one <clears throat> that um, are focused on gratitude on removing negativity and then, you know, positive mindset. So they're like, and so I listen to different ones because you can get like, there's ones that have challenges that you listen to like for a minimum of 30 nights and then, you know, and I just think, and then telling my children the same thing, like that being grateful for what you have goes a long way. Yes. Yeah. I 100% agree. 100% agree. Something that, comes forward to me as we talk about this. I work with a lot of women, a lot of women entrepreneurs and a lot of women entrepreneurs that are in service-based businesses and spiritual businesses. There's often a limiting belief that it's not okay to charge whatever the dollar amount is for their services. Mm. And for me, finances is, it's an exchange. Money is an energy exchange. And it's not about saying how much you are worth, but how, you know, what are the, it is putting a dollar value on what the services are that you're providing. Now I don't, there are some circumstances where I don't charge. I do pro bono work, but I'm very conscious about where I do that. And when I do that, because when I was first starting out, I was like, oh, I need to get clients. So I'll do free stuff and people that I did it for free for, didn't value what I was providing. So when I was charging, it was like, oh, yes, okay, well, I will take this seriously and I will do the the work because I've put some invested in it. And so it's it's an exchange there. It's an exchange. Totally. Yes, 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 yes. So the the (laughs) night of female financial empowerment that I do, I charge $50 for it or if it's a workshop, a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but then I have places that I, like there's some charities yes. that I can offer spots yep. for free yes. and no one knows who's coming for free no. and who's paying. No. And, it, and that's beautiful because it yep. affords me to be able to, A, allow, offer that opportunity yes. and cover my costs, but also you've got some skin in the game. Absolutely. If raining yep. outside and miserable, you're still going to put your jacket on and come. Yep. Yes. And yep. so that's better for both of us. And the other thing you were talking about, I think lots of people have a negative money mindset. Yes, I agree. Yeah. And I think growing up, my parents have a scarcity yes, mindset yeah. with money, even though I think it might come from when we were growing up because they didn't have a lot of money then. Yeah. Now they're really comfortable. They've got a beautiful life. They've got beautiful things. They're like just on a 12 week Europe holiday at the moment. Wow. They're always worrying about money and it's yeah. not, they're not bad people and not, they're not scrooges with their money. They just worry about not having enough money yeah. when they're like, cause they're retired. And I just, I always think there's enough money. I always think there's more yes. money. There's more money coming to me. There's always yes. more money coming to me. And it, there is, even when like we were really broke, it didn't feel like that really broke because I just made that like going out with my girlfriend and having a cup of tea and a slice of Vegemite toast that was ten dollars back then god knows what it would be now like probably closer to 20 but 
that's what I could afford. And I made that really special because that's what I could afford. And, you know, and then opportunity came, like Will got offered this great opportunity to go to the Gold Coast. And then I ended up, you know, working for Stockland, selling property, managing and property development. And I'd always wanted to work in that space. So I think things come when, when we feel like, when we feel like there's enough and we feel like that there's more than enough. And I still used to give money to charity where we did. Yeah, do you know, so did I, but it was sometimes it was kind of like. It wasn't a lot. It was, yeah, I'd dig through my, my purse. But one of the things that you were just talking then, scarcity. Yes. There's a lot of women I do work with that have that scarcity mentality. And I had this, when we went through the financial challenges we went through, so I was pretty okay, you know, pretty okay until that point. And I remember working in the organization I was working in. My then boss was buying a new BMW and was super excited that she was paying cash for it. Oh, wow. And John and I were just like, fuck, we think we're about to go bankrupt. I don't even know like where our next, I was working, but everything was just, we're in dire financial. It's like, if we go bankrupt, I don't even know where we're going to live. Like, yeah. I don't know. And that was stressful. Mm. And there's bits of advice I got there. And one person said, Catherine, when you're going through shit, just keep going. Like, it doesn't matter how small the steps are, just keep going. Cause the last thing you want to do is to be stuck in shit. And I know that that sounds a bit crass, but it was just such this, visual, I do not want to be stuck in that situation where I would go to the supermarket and not know if I was going to have enough in my account. Like I made so many excuses about, oh, you know, you know, covering up why we didn't have enough. Oh, totally. I understand what that's like. So that was stressful. So that piece of advice. And then there was something that clicked with me, Sarah, that I just went, I don't want to live like this because I was always looking at I don't want to be stressed. I don't want to go to the supermarket and know that I haven't got enough money. I don't want to be not having enough money. Mm. And when I'm coaching people, we talk about those as away from goals, that I want to move away from being broke and stressed and and not having money. Mm. And then it was just like, well, what do I want instead? And I'm swiveling in my chair here sort of showing the away from and the the towards goals. It was like, what do I want instead? Because what I was focusing on is scarcity, lack, poverty. So when you're focusing on that, you get more of it. Mm. So I went, what do I want instead? And I started to focus on what I referred to as the towards goals. I want to feel stress-free when I'm paying for my groceries. I want to have money that flows to me and have that abundance where I can actually live my life and do the things I want with my life, but have more there so I can share that with other people. I want to be able to feel free around my finances. I want to feel empowered and in control of my finances. When I shifted my thinking, things started to change. Yeah, It wasn't easy, but things started to change. And for me, it was a real mind game. And when we focus on what we don't have, we get more of what we don't have. So even my little tip for today would be for people to sort of all, all the, the sensible things about their finances, but where are you putting your energy, yeah. what you don't have, or is it what you, you want to have and that. shift that? So, oh my gosh, tell me quickly before we come to a close, what do you do for fun? What lights oh. you? <laughs> your uh, sexy finance date nights yeah, lights yeah. you up. Yeah. I love. I love going to the movies with my 10 year old. Like we, we have really lovely little dates like that. Yeah. I love dinners with my girlfriends. Like that's just really beautiful. I go for a walk with my friend Beth once a who you know. Yes, yes. Once a yes. week and that really lights me up and then dinners out with my husband. And then lastly, drinking really nice wine. <laughs> oh, do you? Love mm. wine. Love wine. Love yeah. wine. <gasps> Gosh, Sarah, that was just such a beautiful chat. Where can our listeners find you? I'm most active on Instagram. So yep. I, my handle is Sarah, your finance broker. Yep. And I'm also on LinkedIn um, and Facebook with the same, your yep. Sarah, your finance broker. <laughs> and all the details will be in the show notes. So if people are following along and didn't catch that, you can find Sarah there and so Sarah is a finance broker oh, and can I yeah. say one last thing yeah sure 
People think that they have to be ready to go when they go and see a finance broker. But with me, that's not the case at all. I can help you know what your borrowing capacity is and give you a goal to work towards. So you don't feel like you can't talk to me just because you're not ready. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, that's really good advice. And it's also good to be able to get a sense of how much you can borrow and things really as well important. and just something to to work towards I think that's great and that's about being empowered in life absolutely as well. yeah, yeah, yeah that's about being exactly. empowered in life oh my gosh hugs happiness thank you thank so much you Sarah. That's been absolutely beautiful and if anybody liked the the tips that dropped out of today's episode I invite you to sign up to the happiness hive newsletter go to happiness-hive.com And if you scroll down to the bottom, it's got the bit about join the hive. I share just different tips with you about living your best and most beautiful life. So thanks again, Sarah. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. You can spread the love by sharing it with a friend so she can have a little bit of what we had today. And don't forget to rate and review so we can get it into as many hearts and ears as possible. You can keep the conversation going on my Happiness Hive socials. And if you'd like some more high vibe happiness in your life, come and join me in our community of inspired and motivated women at the Happiness Lounge. This is my online membership club and your central hub for everything you will need to be truly happy and bounce out of bed every day living and loving your best and most beautiful life. To find out more, pop over to the Happiness Hive website and click on the link working with Catherine. Until next time, big hugs and happiness.